Welcome to the Go All In Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Bruss, and today on the show, we have Brett Murray from Safeheart. Now, I've been at this podcasting thing for a little while now, and I'm continually surprised and amazed at the incredibly talented people I get to meet each and every day and do interviews with. And today, we have something really special for you with Brett. Let's get started. Well, good day, everyone. I trust that you're well and your family and business are doing okay in these crazy times that we're all going through. I've got some great news for all of the listeners and the people that follow the Go All In podcast and YouTube channel. In the next couple of days, I'll be relaunching the Go All In website and I've turned it into the go-to place for startups and entrepreneurs. Not only can you access the Go All In masterclass and get booked on a podcast or get help from me to launch your own podcast, I'll be adding a number of trusted partners to my platform that will be sharing their content in a no BS way. We're going to cut straight through that noise and get straight to the very heart of what matters and what helps you in business. So you can forget about all of the gurus and the wannabe Gary V's of the world. The Go All In Hub is the place where real businesses come to learn how to grow and how to scale. And I'm really excited to be bringing this to you. And I'll let you know the deets in the next couple of days. So keep an eye on the Go All In socials for the info as that comes out. Now, if this is your first time here at the Go All In podcast, welcome. It's great to have you here. And if you're back for more, welcome back. We love to have our repeat offenders back here, as I like to say, on the Go All In podcast. Before we get into the show, just take a little peek at your phone and hit the subscribe button on the app that you're listening in on. And if you're watching this on YouTube, just scroll on down and hit the subscribe button. And don't forget to ring the bell there as well. That way, you'll always have some motivation and some Go All In love right there in your pocket. Lastly, if you like what you hear today, please share this episode with your friends and your family. Brett has an important message and a pretty epic story to share. And if we can help just one or two other people to break through their barriers and to get unstuck, then Brett and I would have done our job here on the show today. Alrighty, let's get into this. As you'll hear, Brett Amari runs a charity called the Safe Heart Foundation. Brett and his team focus on a holistic approach working with men by helping them to become the very best versions of themselves. Through his business, he's been in the bullying and education space now for more than 17 years. And pre-COVID, he and his team would speak and engage with more than 60,000 students in each year throughout uh, Australian high schools. Brett has had his own TV show. He's been an advisor to the New South Wales government. He's won a boxing title. He's been an Ironman triathlon finisher several times, and he's an all-round inspirational kind of guy. I'm excited he's here, so please help me in welcoming Brett Murray. Brett Murray, welcome to the Goal In Podcast. It's great to have you here, mate. Thanks, Rob. That's stoked to be here. All right, looking forward to doing this one and spending another hour with you. Uh, we already spent some time together on the BX podcast, which I'm a, the host of as well. But this is a, a little different and I'm looking forward to just going a little bit deeper, actually, and exploring what it is that you, uh, you do at length. But before we do that, for the people that don't know you, why don't you share a little bit about yourself and where are you from and, and how did all of this, uh, this safe heart stuff all begin for you? All right, mate. Well, uh, from Norwest Sydney, uh, north northwest part of Sydney. So it's um, uh, for those who don't know, it's big, uh, commonly known as the Hills District. Um, uh, Safe Heart has uh, come about from 
uh, morphed uh, out of out of our charity called Make Bullying History Foundation, which is now known as Safe Heart Foundation. And uh, in short, it came from uh, myself being chronically bullied at school and my wife, she was bullied at school uh, and my wife uh, tragically lost her mum to domestic violence um, early on in our marriage. And, um, you know, we'd been working in um, uh, the youth sector predominantly, uh, doing bullying education and prevention. Then it went on to, you know, domestic violence and abuse education and prevention because that's the worst form of bullying. And, um, and, and we had an arm of the charity called Safe Heart, which my wife founded. And, um, and that was specifically domestic violence. And through the, the process of, of, you know, educating and then researching and, and delivering that sort of education and prevention, we, we realised that there was so many different facets to bullying. Uh, there's leadership, there's resilience, there's tenacity, there's team building, there's there lots of different stuff. So we, we've branched out and, and become... Uh, presenters uh, in creating resources in those sort of topics and we realized you know calling ourselves make bullying history really sort of put us in this box of mm. oh you just talk about bullying it's like no no we do this whole gamut of stuff and so safe heart uh, is now our trading name so we're, we're trading a safe heart foundation and uh, looking at all the research uh, there's this commonality this common denominator which is men the influence that men have uh fathers and positive male role models positive and negative and so now over the last sort of six to 12 months we've really strategically and intentionally gone upstream so if bullying's down here how do we stop and prevent bullying you go to the source and that's lack of positive male role modeling so now our charitable work um is predominantly focused on men we still have our anti-bullying uh, workshops that we do online and, um, you know, when we get invited out and that sort of thing. But we also have training courses so people can become an advocate so they can do what I've been doing for 17 years. And um, and then, you know, that that's all online and uh, downloadable. And what we're really focusing on now is gathering men and helping men be better positive male role models. And we're, we're creating positive masculinity to to combat the toxic masculinity we hear so much about. <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to getting into some more of that today and exploring that in depth with you as well, because I'm a man as well, and you're a man, obviously. And there's two men here talking on the Gutwin podcast. So yeah, let's let's talk about some blokey bloke stuff, and maybe for the women that are listening in, maybe you can listen really closely. This is how men really talk. This is what we really talk about. They always ask me, "Come on, is that how guys really talk?" Yeah, it is. It is. But let's see it. I think I think guys are a lot more conservative in their private discussions than women are because my wife so. some of the some of the conversations that the ladies have and I'm like, oh, there's no <laughs> way we talk about that as bloke. No way. So, yeah. I think you're quite right there, and I, <laughs> I have to agree. I definitely have to agree. Brett, before we go on and uh, and get into any of that stuff, I want to ask you the signature Goalin question. Mate, yep. people come on over to the Goalin podcast to learn to learn more about other people that have gone all in. So if you could, mate, could you please share with us your biggest go all in story or stories and the lessons that you've learned from your commitment to success? Oh, mate, that was, that was easy. That, we went all in in 2004, no, 2003, when we decided to start our organisation. Um, we would, you know, I just had a stint in politics uh, prior to that, I was a, a manager of an automotive training program because I'm, I'm a spray painter by trade. I had a really good job. I was managing this program, which at the time was the number one course of its kind in the world for dealing with disadvantaged youth right. and training them up to be apprentices uh, in the automotive industry. Uh, you know, the, the course was just doing so well. And then I'd been invited 
to, to run uh, as a candidate in the 2003 state election. Um, and I thought, why not, you know, have a crack, you know, go all in. Yeah. But uh, because the program that I was working for, Handbrake Turn, was funded by the state and federal governments, one was Liberal, one was Labor, and because I'd shown my political colours, as it were, uh, they said, look, we can't have you now because you're, you're politicised. So I couldn't come back to my job. So I'm, I'm unemployed. I've got three young children living in the most expensive city in Australia. Uh, what do you do? And so the, through the work at Handbrake Turn, I'd been doing a lot of high school speaking and I just said to my wife, Teresa, I really love it and I'm, I know I'm gifted at it. Let's do this. So we went all in. I was like, right, let's start our own organisation. And back then uh, there was very few people uh, making a living out of professional speaking in high schools. I mean, mm. we've always had corporate speakers um, and, and like some of the best, uh, most successful corporate speakers like the Peter Sheehan's of this world started in high schools. Um, I know uh, Dale Beaumont and uh, Brent Williams started speaking in high schools in Australia and Singapore with their book, The World at Your Feet and, and their teaching process. And they quickly launched and, and went into corporate. I never did. I just thought youth, youth, youth. And so we went all in and, um, and then very rapidly, well, we did some boot camps for bullies which had never been done before. Everyone was looking at prevention, uh, sorry, cure rather than prevention. So there's lots of stuff around kids who are victims, but no one who was, uh, you know, working with the bullies. So another one, you know, the first year we went all in and said, right, we're going to take a whole bunch of uh, bullies away and turn them around. So we stopped the bullying. And, um, yeah, just uh, had Today Tonight on Channel 7 uh, hear about it, follow us up, did a story, and uh, it just took off and then, 2004 took the Muslim boys from uh, Punchbowl Boys High across the Kokoda track and that was filmed on Today Tonight and then Channel 9 did a doco on it and like it was even Kokoda and not many people know this but with the Kokoda trip um, we, we flew to Kokoda we had all our you know all our, our accessories and equipment and all that and and I said right at the beginning I was going to pay for everything like talk about <laughs> all, all or nothing. Yeah, yeah. And I had to figure out, and I'm paying, I paid for Channel 7's film crew to go, oh, uh, which is dumb because they were prepared to pay us a king's ransom to do the story, but I just wanted to ensure that I had control. So now yeah. I'm paying. And when we got to uh, Port Moresby and we left to go from Owers Corner across north to um, Kokoda, we didn't have return airfares. We only had one-way tickets and no one else knew except me and my right-hand <laughs> man. you got to walk so, back, man. Yeah, so talk about go all in. Yeah. And when you go across Kokoda, for those people who have done it, um, you have no communication with the outside world. And even with a satellite phone, it's sporadic. Yeah. So we had a, a six-day trek, which was the fastest non-military team post-World War at that time. Wow. Uh, and we, we, we sort of equaled the record of the Sydney Swans, who did it in 96. We flew back and I was hoping that we'd have – airfares back to Australia waiting for us and we did thank God but uh, you know uh, everything I've ever done is all in it's like all or nothing um, I never do things by halves um, you know I, I never it's like the old Yoda thing it's like do or not do never try mm. um, I, I never try stuff I'm either going to have a crack or I'm not going to have a crack and even recently in, in the middle of COVID I've started a custom motorcycle business mm. I didn't think oh I might tinker around with my own bike it's like no if I'm going to do it I'm going to do it and so I connected with Australia's number one bike builder, DNA Customs, 
and shared a vision with them that I wanted to create a certain type of bike and do a run of them. Mm-hmm. And, and again, folding it back into our charity work, using it as a tool to gather men to create positive discussion about positive, um, you know, life character and, 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 and way to do life instead of being a you know, beer swill and yobbo uh, and, and just being a pig and a, uh, whatever that we see men can be, not that all men are, but that seems to be the narrative that a lot of mainstream media, you know, um, even Miranda Devine wrote an article about three years ago saying it's almost a crime to be male now. And, and so really wanted to tackle that, but with a very masculine touch, so custom motorcycles. And I, I just, it's not like, oh, let's just tinker around and, 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 you know, fiddle us around for two years. It's like, no, let's just do it. Yeah. And so everything I do, um, that's why I'm stoked that you invited me onto the podcast because everything I've ever done is just go all in. Like when I did triathlon for the first time, uh, the, the first triathlon I did uh, was a, was a, like an Olympic distance. And um, the, the, the second triathlon I ever did two weeks later was an Ironman, like full Ironman. And twice, most of the Ironman. Twice the length. Oh, twice. It's, it's like yeah. 10 times. Yeah. Um, like uh, a lot of guys that I know are there in the triathlon community. They do half Ironmans, which is a, you know, they call it a 70.3, which is a, it's a 1.9 K swim. It's a um, 90 K ride and a 21.2 K run. So it's a half Ironman and guys that are really super competitive and they've done 15, 20 of them and they've gone, I'm not brave enough to do an Ironman. Yeah. Four K swim, 180 K ride and a 42.2 K run. Big difference. So, uh, so I just went from Olympic distance to bang, Ironman, like just go all in, you know. Yeah. So um, yeah, everything I've ever done has been that mentality. It's like you, you do or you don't. I love it. I love it. I can tell it's embedded in your personality when you're talking about it. It's like, it's because it, the way I can tell that is it's offhanded. And oh, yeah. <laughs> some, some people I, I interview on the show and people that I work with, they're really methodical in the way that they make decisions and the way that they go. They, you know, they, ha- they have a, a really collective process where they're collecting information along the way and yeah. they're using their head not their heart and you're just like hey, risk averse aren't they have a yeah and you're like have a crack what's the yeah. worst that can happen it just it's not going to work out do you have a plan b or there is no plan b for brett murray by the sound of it um there is no plan b there never has been i mean i, I have this saying that i used to say to kids in high schools and i say it to men now history has to be made by someone it might as well be you like, you know, Roger Bannister was told by every exercise scientist, kinesiologist and physiologist, you know, can't, do, can't break the four-minute mile. Yeah. And when he went, well, watch me, you know, it's just a, it's only impossible until someone does it. And, yeah, I've just always been like that. And it's amazing when you, you know, it, it, it can be a little bit dangerous in, in the sense of, you know, you do take on risks. And I have learned along the way to make calculated risks yeah. You talk to you know, some of the most brilliant, successful business people, you know, um, uh, Janine Alice, who Boost Juice, yeah, Mark Burrell, so these sort of people, they will always tell you, you have to take risk in business. And it's mm. usually a calculated risk. Um, my business journey has been just have a crack. And sometimes the, if, I, if I knew the risk before I'd done it, I would never have taken it on. But, um, <laughs> if I knew what I knew then back then. Yeah, exactly. Whatever but, you do. <laughs> but what it's taught me is that you can do extraordinary things. Yeah. And oftentimes the biggest obstacle to us doing extraordinary things is fear. Mm. And, you know, fear, I love the acronym of fear that fear stands for false evidence appearing real. Yeah. Uh, I've heard psychological reports, psycho- psychological 
how do you say it? Psychological. <laughs> psychological reports saying that 95% of things that people fear will never happen. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm a surfer. You can see the surfboards in the background. And so many people that I meet from the US or other places, Europe, that don't surf, and they go, oh, I can't believe you surf. What about sharks? It's like you've got more chance of getting struck by lightning. Yeah. You've more chance of getting hit by a car. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I've had sharks come at me, but I've never been attacked. Yeah. But, I was going to say, I've seen sharks plenty of times in the water. You know, there's one around you are where you are. There's a four meter great white circle around Cronulla at the moment. Yeah, yeah. There's the sharks around here all the time. And yeah. I, got, I got circled by a great white on my paddleboard. And oh. uh, pretty, my, you know, my 14 foot paddleboard looks like a boat when you get on the thing compared to your surfboard. But it felt like a paddle pop stick when there's a big shark surf on you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but you know, so you're still here. <laughs> yeah, I'm still, I'm still here, right? And, and, um, I think it's the fear of not so much of being chomped on by a shark, but being out of control and you can't control exactly. the situation. And when, when I had that encounter with that particular animal, it was like, well, I was in complete control of the situation. The things in the water, I'm standing on top of the water with a, with a big club if I needed to shoot yeah. the thing away. And it's, it's totally fine. And likewise, I've been in the water spearfishing with, um, dead fish that I'd shot, um, you know, 10 meters trailing behind me with yeah. bronze whalers in the water, seen bull sharks, tiger sharks, all those sorts of things. And it's sort of yeah. like, yeah, like whatever, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just not scared of it. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm aware of it, but I'm not, yeah. I, I don't have like in an eight fear of it. You know, just last time I saw a shark in the water, it doesn't mean I'm not going to get back in the water again this time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not a big deal. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's in business too. People fear and, you know, I've sort of heard and had conversations and sometimes had these thoughts go through my head. What if it doesn't work? Well, what so what? Yeah, you had a crack, you learned. And my father used to say, have this saying, and I think he's got the best version of it. I've heard other people say the same saying, but different versions. But I like his version because it makes logical sense. He says, I aim for the stars, but if you land on the moon, you're still in outer space. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like you're a lot further along the journey than what you would have been if you didn't start. Mm. So you, you might might try and start a business two or three times and, and it might fall over and you might run out of money, you might run out of you know support or whatever, but at least you've learned something. And you, okay, next time we've got this brick in place then we got this brick in place and we're you know you're building you're always building but if you sit there and procrastinate and just plan it's like the famous um movie collateral with uh, tom cruise and jamie fox and jamie fox's character is always going to start this you know, island limousines business and then tom cruise's character says to him so how long have you been driving cabs you know he said oh, it's just temporary but how long have you been driving cabs before you set up your business oh 12 years yeah <laughs> how long's how long's yeah long enough before you have the, the intestinal fortitude to just go after your dream. How much do you really want it? Yeah. And I think that's something that in, in business we, we really need to harness because Aussies, when we do have a crack, we have a crack and we usually punch way above our weight. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. And, and, and I, would, I would encourage the listener and the viewer of this podcast today to kind of reflect on what you've done during these COVID times. You know, have you, have you had a crack at something? Have you gone away and studied that course that you wanted to do, finish whatever it is that you needed to finish? Or have you started something new? And I know plenty of people that have. I, I, you know, to be honest, if I, if I kind of like reflect on the, the communication and the conversations that I've had with my friends and my family and stuff, I, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head here as I'm saying it to you that hasn't done something. There's no one sitting around watching Netflix and eating cake all day. There's, there's a bit of that going on, but yeah, 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 but 
me too, you know, every, every mm. couple of days, you know, you need a little break from something. That's, that's fine. But I don't yeah. think there's anyone sitting around not making the most of it. I think there's a lot of people sitting around worrying, but yeah, those yeah. people in the process of worrying, at least the folks that I know are doing something about it and having a go at it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's an, it really is an Australian characteristic. Mm. As well. I mean, going back to Kokoda, you know, uh, you, you know yourself the, at the Battle of Isharava site, the most intense battle across the Kokoda, there's those four granite pillars that the Keating government put up as a memorial. They're beautiful, big, black, polished granite pillars with four words on there, courage, mateship, endurance, sacrifice. And that just epitomises the spirit of Australia. Yeah. And when we, when, we, when we do decide to go all in, it's amazing. You know, those four characteristics come to the fore. Courage, courage to start, you know, courage to have a go. Uh, mateship, I mean, that's something that is unique to Australia. That, that word mateship to us is it's almost stronger than family. If you've got real yeah. mates, like they are your brothers, they are your friends. Yeah. Um, endurance, we endure so much. I mean, oh, my goodness. We're, you know, the nation was on fire during September through to December. It's ridiculous, uh, yeah. Prior to that, we had a massive drought. Then we had floods. Now we've got mm. COVID, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, Australia has huge in endurance and sacrifice. We we know that Australia per capita is the most generous nation on the planet when it comes to disaster relief. We mm. give almost triple what any other nation does per capita uh, when it comes to, you know, helping out those, you know, when the giant tsunami hit through uh, Indonesia and India and Sri Lanka all those years ago, uh, we outgave everyone per capita. And so we're, those characteristics, when you put them into practice, and you realise, hey, I've, you know, I've got this in, inbred in me, in, in, in my Australian DNA. Yeah. It's amazing what you can achieve. Yeah, it's funny, as, as you say it, and I know we have a lot of Americans listen to this podcast as well. So this is a really good show to kind of highlight some Aussie traits and Aussie characteristics because yeah. people ask me that all the time. And every now and then I jump on a, on a Zoom call like this with someone and they're like, hey, you've got a really funny accent. And I'm like, no, no, that's, that's you, mate. And <laughs> it's really interesting yeah. seeing the dynamic of, of that. But you're quite right because I know that as I'm hearing you say that, I'm like, yeah, yeah. It yeah. resonates, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. That, it's just part of like who Australians are. And I think yeah. it doesn't really matter where you come from in the world. If you live here and you're part of this community and part of this culture, um, yeah. that's kind of how it is. And um, innately that mateship thing is embedded within us all. And that really helps us pull together. And that's what helps us to punch above our weight as well. And I, and I love that. I love that a yeah. lot. Oh, definitely. I think too, we can learn a lot from our American friends. I'll never forget the first, uh, second time I was in the U S and I took my son with me and we were in Washington DC and it was, um, around the time of the Orange Blossom Festival, sort of coming into spring. And uh, we were walking down the street of D.C. and uh, a lot of people around uh, near the, near the um, I think it's, uh, what do they call it? It's the part, the, the beautiful big park that goes all the way down Washington, D.C. from Capitol Hill to, to the um, uh, Lincoln Memorial. And um, oh, I forget what they call it, but it's a beautiful place. Anyway, and this... These two gentlemen were sort of walking side by side and somehow my son and I sort of walked in between them and they separated and a Lamborghini Murcielago drives past <laughs> and one of the guys was pushing a pram or a stroller with his child in it and, um, and, and he just totally ignored us and he looks over his shoulder back to his mate and he goes, hey, bro, check it out, check it out. And the guy, guy behind us is sort of trying to look over going, what is it, man? What is it? I don't know. I don't know. And they're having this really cool hyped up conversation. They're really pumped about this. Being a car enthusiast and being a former spray painter, in my mm. very ocker Aussie accent, I just went, mate, it's a Lamborghini Murcielago. 
<laughs> and, and this guy goes, hey, bro, it's a Lambo. It's a Lambo. And the guy that stood behind me, I'll never forget it. He just points at it and he goes, one day, one day. And it's like he saw the success of this other person and just was inspired by like one day that'll be me. In Australia, yeah. we see someone drive past a Lamborghini Murcielago. We go, <laughs> drug dealer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very different. Very different yeah. in that approach, isn't so, it? I have to agree yeah, with so that. We do have the mateship, but we also have the tall poppy syndrome yeah. where, you know, if you get too tall, you know, we like to cut people off at the knees and say, get back in your box. Whereas our American friends have this, if you can do it, I can do it. Mm. And I think the two combined together, man, uh, becomes an unstoppable combination. Yeah, couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more. It's uh, really good to hear your insights on that goal in mindset and that philosophy yeah. and that as well. It seems, uh, it seems to me that's embedded in your DNA as an Aussie and I love that, mate. So thank you so much for sharing that. And what would you say, I just wanted to, to close out this part of the podcast by asking you, you know, I get a lot of feedback from a lot of different people all the time from this show via email, social media, et cetera. And, and every now and then I get somebody asking me a question about, well, hey, Rob, I'm thinking about doing... Uh, and, you know, sometimes that's a business, an investment or something like that. What, yeah. what do you reckon I should do? Do you, do you think you can help me? And um, to begin with, when I first started receiving that communication, I was like, well, you, you email and the go all in guy. What do you think I'm going to say? Yeah. <laughs> Makes <laughs> sense. Come on, man. You know, like, yeah, crack. But, the, but the reality is uh, I, I realized these people are not asking me to tell them that because they know that already. They already yeah. know that. They're asking for genuine sort of advice or, or help. I'm not sure what you'd call that. But I, I've learned to say to them, what is it that you're doing today that's going to close the gap from where you are to where you want to be? Yeah, because yeah. if you really want to do that, and you really want to make that happen for yourself, you need to be moving towards that target on a daily, maybe an hourly, maybe even in a 15-minute block basis. So what yeah. is it that you're doing? And inevitably, they come back and they go, oh, I never thought of it like that. Oh, I better get started. Or And then yeah, we yeah. sort of have a communication back and forth there. What would you say to that? If someone said the same thing to you, hey, Brad, I'm thinking about doing something and I'm not really sure what to do what do you reckon I should do? If I was thinking about going all in and taking a, a dive in yeah. there, what would you say? Oh, mate, I think um, uh, doing exactly what they're doing, getting advice is, is brilliant. You know, wisdom is found in the multitude of counsellors. You, you, you're not an island under yourself. And, and I think that's one of the biggest things that I've learned. Uh, you know, I used to be Mr. Solo. I'll just make it happen. You know, the Kokoda was just like me flying by the seat of my pants. Now we're, we've uh, launched a an annual men's gathering, which we believe is going to grow exponentially. Mm. But we've done the first one, which is only 18 guys got away. Next year, we're planning to have 500. So it's like, okay, I'm going to need a team because I know what I know. I've got the vision, but I don't know what I don't know. You and can't so, do that for yourself either. Yeah, yeah. And, and so what they're doing, asking advice is wise but you've got to have, you've got to couple what you just alluded to before. You've got to have that go all in mindset with also grabbing as much information and education as you can because, as we know, knowledge is power. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would ask them, what don't you know? Mm. What, what don't you know? You know, you're asking me. What, what, like a lot of people usually come to me. Only yesterday I was, had a, a, a couple of young people from UTS ring me up and they wanted me to come on their podcast and, and um, on a webinar kind of thing. But the one thing they didn't know was how to, how to get media around what they do and I think what they're doing for young people is awesome. It's something that I've kind of fallen into, but I've, as I've fallen into it, I've retained the knowledge and I thought, okay, now I do know how to get a lot of media. 
and it's something that we've never done as an organisation, as an individual. I've never advertised, mm. never mm. spent a cent on marketing. What mm. we have done is we've been, we've become the article. And uh, you know, if it's a newspaper, even a local newspaper, don't ever underestimate the power of a local newspaper, yeah. a local rag, because if you can become the the story that the, the local reporter wants to report on, they're usually connected with a bigger newspaper and they're usually owned by a bigger parent company mm. in the media who have a TV outlet or something online. And if you're in, you know, your article is interesting enough and emotive enough, next thing you know, you'll have people wanting to do interviews with you. And like podcasts now, uh, podcasts are the new national news. Mm. And, uh, you know, just having having the, the honour of having a guy like yourself with your exposure invite me on just goes to show that yeah, if you're interesting enough, people will want to tell your story. And so that, I think, um, you know, that's one of the pieces of advice I, I can tend to give people. So, yeah, when they come to you and ask for advice, share with them what you know, but just encourage them. Keep asking, but keep moving at the same time. Don't just sort of stagnate and pile up all this information and then you've got to go, oh, I can't make a decision. Yeah. As you go and make each step, go, okay, what do we need next? Like you just said, what's the next 15 minutes? What's the next half hour, hour, day, week, month? And and sort of have that goal that you want to hit. And, um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's what I do when people ask me advice. I share with them what I do know. I ask them what they don't know. And if I don't know, like you, I go, oh, I know someone who could, yeah, you know, and you, you connect them together and yeah. and it just adds value and it builds relationship and you never know when it might uh, come back to bless you. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Gold on the Go All In podcast here today with our special guest, Brett Murray. Thank you, mate, for sharing that. It's uh, it's really fantastic. Now, I know that the, the Safe Heart Foundation does all the anti-bullying stuff, but I want to mm-hmm. talk to you today about the men's programs and you alluded yeah. to that in a couple of different ways. You had your first getaway, you got another one coming up. And you talked about the, the custom motorcycle thing happening. Mm-hmm. I was, I've been watching, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, the, the fellow that wrote Men Are From Mars and Women Are From oh, Venus, that right. guy. I've been watching a few of his videos on, uh, on YouTube and I, I, I'm really kind of dismissive of it. Like, I'm like, yeah. and, but then like I press play and I'm like, oh. Oh, that's actually, oh, that's really good. Hang on. Yeah, I find myself writing these notes down and stuff, and it's a, it's a little bit of fun. And one of the things that kind of it, it reminded me of, I can't remember exactly what I was watching, um, but they were talking about how men and women engage together. And oh, yeah. Yeah. W- women, women love to come together and, and go down the pub and drink a glass of shardy or go to the local cafe and drink a cup of coffee. Yeah. But men... Men really kind of love to come together to do an activity together. Yes. yes. Hey, Brett, you want to go and watch a Sharkies game on the weekend? Yes. yes. Not even a second thought. Hey, yeah. Brett, you, do you want to go down the cafe and get a brew? Nah, I'm a good man. Yes. It's sort, of, sort of, it's not quite <laughs> the same dynamic. So I love the idea of custom motorcycles and bringing people together around a common interest and bringing people together around a getaway because that's an activity yeah. where you go and ride go and ring the neck out of a motorbike and go and surf in and go and have some fun and things like that. Tell us a little bit about how you do that and how you bring these men's groups together. Yeah, well, mate, you're spot on. Uh, the, the, the best way to articulate what you just said is women communicate face-to-face, men mm. do life shoulder-to-shoulder. <laughs> and and, and it, it's, it's really, it. I mean, uh, we do this in parenting seminars all the time when we talk about the difference between parents communicating with their daughter or their son. Mm. Their daughter wants you to sit down and have a, you know, play uh, you know, let's, uh, what I play dolls, play Barbies. Yeah. You play Barbies, have a cup of tea, you know, let's, let's do that play picnic kind of thing. And you face to face and the little girl 
particularly with the dads, is, Dad, look at me, look at me, because that means she's being listened to. And little tip for men in, in, in relationships, if you want your wife to feel listened to, look at her while she's talking. Because <laughs> we can listen and we'll be doing something. She goes, you're not listening. Yes, I am. No, because you're not even looking. She automatically says, you're not even listening to me because you're not engaging with me face to face. Sounds like and, you've been watching the same videos on YouTube as I have. Well, I actually haven't, <laughs> seen, I haven't seen a single one of them. This is just stuff that I've learned yeah. and picked up through Real life. life. But yeah. psychologists and, and, and um, you know, relationship therapists have proven this is how guys are wired. Mm. And when you're talking to your little boy, if you want to confront him about something and you look at him, come on, mate, I need to talk to you. You know, it's like... They yeah, just, look away. You know, they looked out, yeah, if mum says, oh, tell me about your day, and she's right in his face, oh, that was all right. Mm. But if you, if you get him out in the backyard kicking the footy or playing cricket and having a bowl, and how was your day, man? Oh, pff, unreal, yeah, oh, Frank did this, and Chad told me that, and oh, bowl again, come on. You know, and, and so that's just the child's play mm. way of doing it, but let's take it to adult. Men love to gather, and men usually open up over the engine bay of a car. Mm-hmm. You now you're in there, you're, you're tinkering around, and then, you know, the one bloke will ask a question, another bloke will open up. But there's, then even though they're not looking at each other, they're focused on the task, but the communication lines are open because it's non-confrontational. Because when there's confrontation, men do this. It's yeah. like, yeah, come on, I'm, an, I'm a defender. I'll protect, you know, I'm a protector. And, I mean, you know, during my triathlon days, I'd do many, many long rides on, the, on, on my push bike with a peloton of guys, you know, be 20, 30 blokes. So many times I've been, you know, two or three guys back and just riding along. Someone will be chatting side by side. We're all focused on the road, but someone will just go, oh, mate, I had the worst night last night. Oh, what happened? You know, I said something to my missus I shouldn't have, and, oh, gee, she blew up the larks. And, and, and then, oh, mate, and then a couple of guys go, mate, I've had that happen. Don't worry about it. And then we, we share advice. Oh, what do you think I should do? Oh, mate, roses on the way home, mate, and box of chocolates. And, <laughs> yeah. But, like, guys being vulnerable side to side. So men do life bond and communicate shoulder to shoulder. So we decided to, to do something. We call it the resistance, which is resisting toxic masculinity and becoming a positive male role model. So building men of courage, character, and conviction. And our first one, only 18 guys, but we had um, motorcycle riding. We had jet skis. We had um, guys doing hiking. Uh, a couple of guys went to a different couple of lookouts and, you know, take in, you know, more of a sedate sort of chill out, um, taking the view kind of sightseeing stuff because not all men are rev heads, not all men are bookworms. Yep. You know, there's a whole spectrum, but if we can do stuff that most guys will enjoy next year, man, we've got everything from abseiling to four wheel driving, motorcycle riding, cycling, like heaps of activities because when we gather the men, sure, it's great to gather, but, there's so many different subgroups of men that won't, oh, sorry, Matt, should have turned that off. That's my phone. Um, so, so many subgroups that are together that, um, you know, will, will be different but like-minded. Um, so, you know, next year we want to make it so that when we gather, we're there on the Friday night, we have, you know, huge meal together. That's always good. You know, guys love to you know, congregate around food, around the barbie. Mm. And, uh, I mean, that's a, isn't that a cl- classic saying, whether you're a, an American and you're having a huge cookout in the smokehouse or an Australian barbecue, where do the men congregate? Around the food. Around the food. Yeah. You know, you'll have a drink in your hand, whether it's a bottle of water or a bottle of beer, but you're chatting and it's, it's around an activity. So we start off with that. So there's this general consensus of we're doing this together. The, the Saturday, we break off and do all these activities and we actually just say, look, whatever activity you want to do, you go and do that. Look after your own lunch together. And then we come back and have this giant bonfire and feast 
on the Saturday night and guys who have never met each other have just done a day of jet skiing or a day of water skiing or a day of dirt bike riding or they've taken their custom bikes out for a cruise or they've sat around the show cars because we're going to have hot rods and rat rods and, and they've just talked about how they restored this car with guys they've never met and that mm. creates a bond. And mm. so when men do activities together, there's a bond that's created, a common denominator, and then they just tend to feel safe and start to open up. And that's what we call the charity safe heart. My wife said to me, you know, to build safe people in safe places, people have to have a safe heart where you can share with me and I can share with you. And wherever you go, you're a safe heart. That becomes a safe place. But in the medieval days, the safest place in the world was the fortress, Yeah, was, was the castle. So by being a safe person, you're becoming a fortress for other people. And mm -hmm. I think that there's, there's not a lot of that in, in society today. We hear... You look at Instagram, out hustle, out last, out grind, out wit, you know, I'll, 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 you know, I'll outdo you because I want to get what's mine. And the world's telling us, yeah, just look after number one. And so does that make you a safe person? If you're going to outlast, out wit, out hustle, out grind, I'm nope. going to grind you to the dust because I want to get mine. It's like, I don't want to do business with people like that because no. they're just out after number one. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, really interesting comparisons that you draw. And, and, and I love that. I love that safe safety as well and yeah. uh, you know safe space that those words have a maybe a bit of a negative connotation but i think it's taken out of context a lot yeah. i think it's yeah. you know the way you could describe a safe space is a place where you're not judged and oh, absolutely you know, that's really what it is isn't it like yeah. if i have a conversation with you about something that's kind of uh pressing or worrying to me mm -hmm. and you're just listening to it without judgment and, and yeah. you're there to help and you, you genuinely offer feedback from a place of love, then that's a safe space. That's a, that's precisely that's a it. It's, it's that simple. We overcomplicate stuff sometimes. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we overcomplicate things because we just want to look smart. Yeah. <laughs> really. If you just you know, keep, keep it simple, stupid. Um, sort of it holds stuff, true. You know? It holds uh, true. Brett, I wanted to ask you about toxic masculinity and, yeah. and why, why women why you think women get so riled up by men and what is this feminist thing going around all the time and the carry on and, you know, this, this cancel culture that we have, they want to change the name of something because someone's offended by something and, you know, it's, it's bad for me to be a man, but like, what the hell, you know? And, and I think as soon as, as soon as I hear a, you know, he, here's a couple of men having a conversation together here on, on this podcast and I'll share something here that, that might be a little bit inflammatory, but, Every now and then I, I hear a woman say the P word. You know what the P word is? Uh, it could be many things. But it could be many things. The reference that I'm referring to is patriarch, right? Oh, okay, yeah, patriarchal society, yeah. Yeah, and, and women seem to think that men have been in charge of the society the whole time, but I just don't buy into it. And the reason I don't buy into it is because no one individual can ever do anything by themselves in their life. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. whether you've had a man or a woman help you, Uh, you know, a young person or an old person, uh, you know, a, a person from Lebanon or a person from Africa help you. Yeah. Men and women have throughout history have helped each other. And oh, men yeah. and women throughout history have, have really uh, been able to make society what it is today. No one man is responsible for society today and no one woman is either. Yeah, exactly. and, and I really get, um, 
I don't get offended, but I just get really turned off. It's a massive turn off for me when somebody says that P word, especially a female. And the reason for that, I think, is because it's a really naive, narrow-minded view of the world. Very and much. That's, that's their view of the world. That's their opinion. They're, in, they're entitled to it. And that's why I say maybe what I'm saying is a little bit inflammatory to some people, but I'm not trying to be politically correct here or I'm not trying to um, be all things to all people. What I'm trying to say is that that P word can be really bad for, for some guys to hear that because not all guys have this toxic masculinity or not all guys are at home wearing a blue singlet, bashing their wives and drinking beer till they fall down every night. It's just, it's pretty awful how some women uh, tar all men with that brush. It's not very nice. Oh yeah. Well, overgeneralization, like when you, like you mate, when, when I hear women say, oh, all men are pigs. No, they're not. That's awful. Awful. the, The men who are pigs are pigs, you know, or all men cheat. No, cheaters cheat. It's not all men cheat. Mm. Um, you know, all men are misogynists. No, the guys who are misogynists are misogynists. And like you just said, it's a small-minded, uh, uh, narrow view. To Jordan Peterson says it so beautifully. When you actually um, appoint a, a singular crime to an entire people group, yeah. it's so illogical and so irrational. And when you follow it through to its end result, it ends up being just counterproductive in every form and fashion. Yep. When you just blame a certain people group for a certain action, uh, like a mega left-wing feminists will say, yeah, men are just pigs and, you know, the only good man is a dead man. I think Jermaine Greer was once uh, caught saying, and it's like, well, then how are you going to procreate? Oh, we have a sperm bank. Well, where do you get the sperm from? <laughs> Hello? You're going to need men, even, at, you know, the worst sort of, um, you know, example version of it, yeah, 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 and, and patriarchal society. I mean, people again, what it is, and I really believe this is probably going to be a little bit more inflammatory than what you just said. Is it's the small-minded left-wing narrative, which is the minority of society. Mm. You look around, majority of the global society, left-wing socialism is the loudest voice in the media, particularly in the American media at the moment. Yeah. But look who they voted for overwhelmingly in their last election. It was a conservative government. Uh, you know, left wings were telling us in our last um, uh, election in 2019 that our conservative Christian Prime Minister Scott Morrison would be done in a landslide and he wins in one of the biggest election wins the, you know this nation's seen. Uh, England, um, the, you know, the Great Britain with uh, Boris, uh, what's his last name? Boris the, the, Johnson, yeah. Boris Johnson. Oh, he was going to get smashed. But the quiet majority of conservatives who see that Society flourishes when you have conservative values where you believe in, you know, um, reward for effort. You work, you earn. You know, if you don't work, you don't earn. Where socialism is like, no, no, all the rich people got to pay for the poor people so we're all equal and this egalitarian society has been proven. Look at the failure of communism in Russia. It was a failed social experiment for 50 years. But all of these narratives about equality and all that, isn't it funny? It usually comes from the multi-millionaire Hollywood superstars who feel guilty for their success. So they go, oh, we've just got to make sure that everyone else is going to, you know, have a, a shared, um, well, you know, wealth, um, what do they call it? Uh, wealth displacement, you know. Mm. But it's like, okay, well, then you give up half of your salary and make sure, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. No chance. So no. it's like... Yeah, and so these small narratives of patriarchal society, I know a lot, uh, go back to the Americans, a lot of the Americans are jumping up and down and they're jumping, saying, oh, our forefathers were, you know, um, 
slave owners and bigots and they're all misogynists. Well, actually, if you, there's this awesome organisation called Wall Builders. Now, Wall Builders are a... Um, they are a faith-based organisation, but they are historical, like the historians, some of the best historians in America. And that of the of the um, fifty-six founding fathers, uh, the the two that were the most irreligious were Benjamin Franklin and uh, George Washington, and the two were slave owners. But they were slave owners be, during that time. Uh, it was a part of culture, but they were actually slave owners who treated their slaves like family. And then they were pro-emancipation proclamation. You know, they were the ones who moved in that direction. Um, there was women involved in the founding fathers. Mm. Huge amount of women were involved in the, in the prayer meetings that they had that came up with the American Constitution. The American Constitution is a result of 26 separate prayer meetings. Uh, they say, oh, the, you know, the founding fathers were irreligious. No, 29 of them were actually, uh, you know, um, uh, ordained ministers. There was young people involved. There was blacks involved. There was Hispanics involved. So when you actually look at history, history tells us the truth. And the modern narrative says, oh, they're all this and they're all that because that's the sound of their bigotry uh, that they then try and say we're operating out of those who are conservative mindsets and, and you know, conservative, um, you know, uh, philosophies. So when you actually look at History, history shows uh, different stories than the narrative that we get, you know, punched in the face with every day. They're really important conversations for a couple of guys on a podcast to be having. And, you know, I'm going to be sharing this with thousands of people that yep. listen to this show, which is, is really good. And it's, it's a reminder to look back over your shoulder at history and, and yep. look at the actual facts. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't be caught into the, as you say, the socialist left wing screaming and yelling and yeah. all the hemming and whoring that goes on about all of that all the time. You yeah, don't yeah. need to be drawn into that when the facts are the facts and you, you really yeah. can't change the facts of history. You can't make the narrative suit what it is that you want. And, yeah. and I think it's a, it's a great conversation to have. And do you get to have these conversations with the men in your group? Is this the type oh, of yeah. thing that you're talking about? Because there's nothing better than going deep on something like that and, and helping people to understand the differences and you know more about that subject. I know some about that and you get a little bit of an education piece in the process. Oh, yeah. It's a great way to build relationships and build friendships as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the, one of the biggest topics that I get to um, share a lot about is that um, with the safe schools, I'm not sure if you're aware of the safe schools program that came out uh, in 2007 under the Rudd government of Gillard government, but in Australia, it was this anti-bullying program that was funded by the federal government. Uh, and uh, it was rolled out called Safe Schools, sounded great. But then people started actually thinking, oh, hang on a minute, this, this isn't right. People started looking into what was being taught. The New South Wales government actually came to me and asked me to review it as an anti-bullying expert. So I went through every video, I went through every teacher notes, session notes, student note. I went through everything. And we found that this is a program that was targeted at 12 to 13-year-olds that was all about sexual diversification education. In a 10-week oh. program with videos, they mentioned the word bullying three times. And they don't yeah. even tell you what it was. And so I dove into it and, you know, sort of looked at it. Is this bullying education? No, it's not. And what we found, though, because of the research that I've done over the 17, 18 years of being an anti-bullying advocate, is that the, the human brain isn't fully developed at birth. The part of the brain, cerebral cortex, frontal lobe, that is in charge of executive or adult function, logic, rational, uh, like the rationale, um, understanding delayed gratification, you know, if I do this now, five years later, that's going to happen. 
all that stuff is controlled by the frontal lobe. That part of the brain begins to grow and develop at the age of 10, finishes development at age 25 for girls and 29 for boys. Mm. And here's a program that was by the third video telling kids about gender reassignment surgery. What the hell? How's that supposed to And So a lot of people don't know this and having these deep conversations with guys who thought safe schools was a great thing. I go, no, well, actually, do you know what it was about? No, I don't know what it's about. Sit around the fire, have a glass of wine or a glass of scotch and go, well, this is what it was about. And when I share that with them, they go, man, we've got to protect our kids from this. I mean, that's why in Melbourne, uh, uh, Victoria, a left-wing socialist government at the time, they said, well, if the federal government stops it from being funded, we're going to go and fund it because anyone who doesn't like this is a bigot because it was pro-gay. And it's like, well, yeah, every person deserves to be treated with honour, dignity and respect, regardless of their race, colour, culture, creed, religion, bank balance, postcode or sexual preference, right? Mm. We, that, it's not about that. It's about what a small amount of people. Now, this is what something, something other people don't realise. Monash University, where um, Safe Schools was actually written, their own research went right around the nation, comprehensive research on anyone in Australia who identifies on any form of the spectrum of LBGTQI came with their own results of less than 2.6% of the population. So less than, less than 3% of the population identify anywhere in that spectrum. Yeah. They wanted to force on the majority of the population, this is how you should think. If you don't think like us, you're a bigot. It's like, well, hang on a minute. You are the guys, what do we call normal? What the majority of the population do. If everyone smoked, then we'd say smoking is normal, but majority of the population don't smoke these days, so it's not normal. If majority of the population did identify on the rainbow scale, then you'd say, oh, well, that's normal, but it's not normal. It's not the majority of the population. And so when, um, you know, people like that have that sort of mindset and philosophy try and force that on them, it has irreparable damage. The, the percentages of kids, young kids under the age of 10 that wanted to have gender reassignment surgery and having this gender dysmorphia, when safe schools came in, went from zero to 240. So it was a 240% increase in children wanting to do this and parents allowing them. And it's like, hang on a minute, their brain isn't developed mm -hmm. to make logical, rational decisions. And 96.5% of kids who have some form of gender dysmorphia and are left to their own devices and just loved as they are and not pushed into something actually revert back to the gender that they were born with. So yeah. here, that's, a, that's a very short example. I've just shared a bucket load of information, but so many guys didn't know that. So when we gather around, I love being able to share that information that I'm an expert in and New South Wales government and the Tasmanian government because of our report banned safe schools because they said it's basically as psychologists have said, Michael Carr Gregg said it's tantamount to psychological child abuse or pedophilia. So, you know, um, when you see the dangers of what stuff does and you get educated, then men can stand up and go, Hey, let's have a voice because this isn't right. And it's not saying that people who identify in the spectrum are of less value or less worth. It's just, their lifestyles they've usually chosen at an older teenage age or a young adult age and that's what they've decided to live that's their decision but like i'm a man of faith but i don't go around telling people you have to live like this it's your choice yep. so i think um you know it's really important to have those deep conversations so we can come to a point of education educated decision making I think it's really important for men to have those conversations. Uh, mm. I think what I do for a living here behind this microphone, podcasting on a mm. daily basis, this is podcast number three today for me. I got one more after wow. this one and I got four oh, on cool. Friday as well. Right. So I'm having these types of 
uh, deeper, more intimate conversations fairly regularly throughout my week. You know, I'll do it eight times this week. And yeah. I would ask the listener or the viewer to, to, to reflect and ask themselves, hey, have you had a really deep conversation with one of your mates this week, especially if yeah. you're a man? Yeah. And if, if you're a bloke, listening to this, are you really doing that with, with your, with your mates or is it just superficial catching up, talking about your day, talking about work and over a schooner at the pub, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that as well. We all need to kind of unwind and relax a little bit and go and watch the footy. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But I think it's really important to have some deeper, more intimate conversations with other men and other men. That's not your partner. That's not your brother. That's not your dad. Yeah. outside the sphere of your family. And you know, if you can do that with new people as well, you build different types of relationships and different types of bonds there. And I love the idea that you've got there of um, looking at bullying from a holistic perspective and going as far upstream as you can to the very source because children don't go away and, and bully other children in school. That, that's because they, that's how they are. It's learnt behaviour. Yeah. That behavior comes from somewhere and it all starts in the home because your kids see everything like that. And I just wanted to ask you on that, on that very point there, Brett, about male role models. And when I was growing up, I had a bunch of different role models, probably very similar to you as well. And I know we talked about that on the BX podcast as well, but male role models in today's day and age are very different. They're like video gamers, they're YouTubers, um, they're Instagram influencers and, and yeah. folks like that. And they're still athletes. They're still, um, you know, still people that are successful in business, but really in the last 20 years in, in uh, with the rise of social media, the, the type of role models that my kids have are completely different to the types of role models that you and I had when we were kids. Yeah. And in some ways there's a bit of a lack of that because my dad was a role model. My, dad, my yeah. old man was a really strong role model for me. He was yeah. always there taking me to the footy all the time. And I, and I know I accept that not all families are, you know, perfect like my one was. And my one was about as perfect as it could be. Let me tell you, I was That's very awesome. fortunate. I was very lucky. And I know that now. And I yeah. know that with the benefit of talking to lots of other people in diversification, but my dad was a really strong role model. He was a great swimmer. Um, you know, even in his thirties and forties, he was a good swimmer. And as a result of that, I wanted to be a good swimmer. And I was yeah. a good swimmer at school. I've got yeah. long arms and long legs and I can swim down the end of the pool <laughs> fast. And, That's you know, it, it paid off nicely when I was in the Navy as a diver and in the right. army and stuff as well in the military, that ability to swim. And he was my biggest fan taking me to football all the time. You know, I, I can remember running down the sideline down at Hammondville Oval oh, uh, out near Liverpool, right? And, Rams. Yeah, well, there you go, right? So I can, I, I can remember flogging you guys um, <laughs> down there and running along the sideline and looking over and my dad with his fist pumping in the air going, go, go. Oh, that's so I good. I don't know if he was cheering me or cheering the team. I, yeah, you know, yeah. I like to think, you know, it's a fond memory. I have. Uh, he'd have to be cheering you. His boy's got the ball. Come on. I, he must have been, right? He yeah. must have been. And that's just caught magic. up in it and stuff like that, you know. So my old man was a really strong role model there. And yeah. I, I love what you've got going on with, with the men's groups because we draw inspiration from one another as well yeah. as external like that. And I just wanted yeah, yeah. to hear your comments on that. Well, the reason why I really wanted to focus on men and all the research showed this is that um, men are the number one or the predominant influencer on self-esteem and self-worth for boys and girls, i.e. your identity. The way it works for girls is if you have something valuable, you protect it. And a woman is wired from the day she's born to, to you know, um, 
gain her validity or validation from being shown her worth. The way she has shown her worth is by being protected. And I'm not saying you know, autocratic, dictatorial, you can't go out of the house, I'm going to lock you up in the tower till you're 45 kind of stuff, but just simple things like uh, dads being present, dads sharing their their daughters with appropriate touch and appropriate affection, and we all know what appropriate is, uh, but also words of affirmation, I'm proud of you, you're so special, I'm so proud to be your dad. Words have power, you know, the life and death is in the power of the tongue. You can say something to someone and make them feel 10 foot tall and bulletproof, you can say something to someone and make them want to go and take their own life. Yeah. So words are so powerful and that's when you're anti-bullying space. You know, when people say, you know, sticks and stones will break your bones and words will never hurt you, I say, what a load of rubbish because mm. words kill, words hurt. So when a dad is positively affirming and present with his daughter his whole life, like something I learned very young from the time my daughter was seven, my daughter's now 25, I've taken her out once a month on a daddy-daughter date mm. and teach her chivalry, teach her you know, respect and honour, pulling the chair out for her, her her choice of what restaurant we go to, opening the door to the car, opening the door to the restaurant um, and just, you know, honouring her and communicating with her in the way that she likes face to face. And so teaching her that now she's just made, you know, some uh, amazingly positive and really hard decisions over the last sort of six months of her life. I'm so proud of her as a young woman. And we still go out like, uh, I mean, she lives out of home now. She lives in Newcastle and I'm in Sydney. So it's two hours apart, but whenever we're together, uh, like last week I was at her house and I took her out for, for dinner. Mm. Um, and we do this regularly and it's, she's become a strong woman and knows her worth because I showed her her worth throughout the years. And now she's got this confidence Boys get their self-esteem and self-worth, on the other hand, exactly how you just described it with your dad on the sideline. It's a public declaration of a private relationship. Boys love endorsement. Look at my son. Walks like me, talks like me, even smells like me. (laughs) Chip off the old block. You know, that. I'm the opposite to you when it came to my dad's influence and and involvement. My dad was never around. Um, I played, I think I did the, the math, of all my junior years of football, and then I had a hiatus, and then 11 years later came back and played rugby league, uh, Metro Cup level, which is just below reserve grade uh, for Wentworth Hill Magpies, and then uh, played some union as well in my sort of older years. I played well over 300 games. My dad came to two, oh, two gosh. games. And, and, you know, like he was never there. But my pop throughout my all my junior years, whenever he could, he was in the dressing sheds lacing my boots up. Yeah, he was there. He was giving us advice because he was a, a foundational president of a rugby league club and he was a present father. And so he was my positive moral role model. And and when girls get their validation and boys get their endorsement, um, that's where we have, you know, confident people. Now, the funny thing is, is children who grow up, just like I said, with, you know, positive involved dads, uh, don't tend to be bullies or victims of bullying. But mm. kids who grow up, without that positive male role modeling tends to be bullies and also victims as a common denominator. So if we can work with men and say, guys, you've got to be present, even if you're divorced and unfortunately life is life and sometimes things happen and relationships break up, but if dads can still be as involved as they possibly can and it's not about you, it's about them. Make life about them. You're there. You're the adult with a fully developed brain with sound, logical, rational thinking. They're developing. So they need that guidance. They need that mentoring. And even more so through teenage years when they've got a little bit more liberty, they've got a little bit more freedom, but they still don't have that adult brain functionality. 
they need us to guide them and mentor them on what's a good decision, what's a bad decision, and the why. Because the, the delayed gratification, why can't I do this? Well, if you do this, you're going to end up here in five years. Oh, I get it now. And that's where the wisdom of the father comes in, being able to sit them down and go, why? And we hear it in the business world all the time, you know, find your why and you'll be able to drive forward. But there's also reasons why you don't do stuff. And that's, I think, the biggest thing in parenting, teaching our kids why you wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. And uh, I suppose that's, that's why I work with men now because I want to encourage men everywhere to be those positive influences, first and foremost on their family, but then on their community because you never know. If you've, you've got a business and you've got you know, 40 employees, how many of them have had a really negative experience or no experience at all with a, a male role model, toxic masculinity, but then all of a sudden as a boss, you become that positive male role model to them. You're an authority figure. You're the one who pays the bills and sets the rules. But what if you're super affirming with your words? What if you value your female staff and you don't allow them to be mistreated and working at your environment is safe? Mm. Uh, we can have so much of an influence across this community we live in. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's, it's a really good reminder as well. It's a sensible reminder. And it sort of takes me back a little bit to... Uh, to so I'm divorced as well. And right. my, uh, my son, when he was 13, uh, he was playing soccer yep. and I live in Cronulla and he lives in Blacktown and wow. it ain't close. Right. So I would go out every, and at the time my ex-wife had another baby. Um, mm-hmm. so it was a bit tricky for her to drive him around soccer for soccer season. Yeah. So she got him to training during the week, which was Tuesdays, Thursdays and said, Hey, you reckon you can take him on the weekend? And at first I was like, Ugh, you know, all that driving, but yeah, after, I think the second time from memory, I was sort of like, you know what? My old man did this for me. And even though we lived together, there was not as much driving involved, but yeah. I had a really good time because yeah. my dad used to like he'd buy me a drink, buy me something to eat. He'd, the other yeah. kids would be in the car. We'd all go out, we'd go play football. He'd take his home. It was like, yeah, debrief really, about the game. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you know, it's just hearing you say all of that about influence and how that was, you know, mm. I can remember boots. I can remember passing the oranges around to the kids at halftime and doing That's so good. Yeah. It was just like, so I'd, I'd had a really positive experience as a kid, the same age as what Travis was. And yeah, yeah. now that he's that age, he's having exactly the same experiences. What my old man gave to me, I was giving to him as yeah. well. And uh, it was, it's really nice. And I just want to share a, a message in the spirit of vulnerability and yeah. uh, men, men sharing today. So I had a, uh, uh, a year ago, a bunch of photos we took specifically for my daughter out the front here for because she does a bit of acting and, and whatnot. And I popped up in my Facebook feed and I shared it with her in Facebook Messenger. And no. she replied to me, oh my God, dad. And I said, a year passes by so quickly. And I wanted to let you know that you're the best daughter that any dad could ever ask for. Yeah, beautiful. And me like a little love heart. She's only 13, right? Yeah, I, said, I love you so much, Jewel. Stay beautiful, honey. Don't change a thing and just keep doing you. Yeah, nice. Been, thank you, Dad. I love you. Have a mate, great that's day, that's gold. Honey. That's yeah. gold. That is just so Do you know, mate, that so many kids don't get that? Mm. Like, we're living in a society where 52% of marriages end in divorce. And of those marriages that have children, 80% of custody goes to mum. And you've got generations now of kids growing up in schools, primary and secondary, where 80% of the teachers are female. Yeah. So you've, we, we've actually done research. Three generations of Australians now are growing up void of any positive male role modelling. 
So what you've just done is so rare. So many guys who do end up getting divorced, unfortunately, the children become weaponized and mm. the parents tend to play them off against each other. Not all the time, but a vast majority it happens. And a lot of the guys just throw their hands up and go, what's the point? My ex is going to just turn my kids against me. They, they don't like me. I'm the mongrel from, you know, wherever. And so they just go, I'd, I'd rather just be out of their lives and just let them move on, uh, although it breaks their heart. Yeah. And, and I want to encourage guys to do what you do. Still fight for your kids. Still be there. You know, your, your, your ex and you have had your differences and you've, you've made that decision, but you still have these beautiful, the greatest thing, gifts mm. you'll ever have in your life is your children, as you know. And just investing in them is the greatest investment you will ever make. Because yeah. now as, as an adult, uh, sorry, a, a father of adult children, my kids are showing the characteristics that we drilled into them when they were younger and they're brilliant young individual citizens of this world. They're assets to society. They're not liabilities. Uh, and, and you just, it makes you so proud. It's like, mate, I'm the richest man in the world because mm. I've got, uh, you know, these, these kids who are just more than what you could ever ask for. And it's just, yeah, sometimes we, we put value and on business and that too much on the temporal and not on the stuff that's really, you know, oh, centric stuff. Important. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I want I wanted to close out this little part of the podcast by sharing that um, sometimes the traits that you pass off to your kids are not always good. <laughs> And sometimes you wish they wouldn't do what it is yeah. that you did. And my 19-year-old son uh, sends me a message the other day and says, oh, I sold the Mazda. He had a Mazda 3. We got it for him for his, for his first car. My mum bought it for him. He's like uh, spoiled nice. a little bit, right? Brand new yeah. car as his first car. Whatever my mum wanted to do it, I was never going to say no. That's pretty cool for him. That's and so, cool. so he got that car and... I never really thought that he was 100% on board with it. He was kind of like... <clears throat> and I think because he's so... Uh, young and he's never had to face a decision like that or spend that amount of money. And yeah. my mum's like, oh, whatever, you know, I'll just get him the car. You know, I can afford it. It's, it's fine. It's not a problem. Yeah. So anyway, he says to me uh, about two weeks ago, oh, I sold the Mazda. And I was like, oh, and here I am like biting really hard, like <laughs> biting my tongue, like why would you sell that car sort yeah. of thing? Yeah, yeah. And I, I was like, oh, how are you going to get to uni? How are you going to get to work? Uh, and he had a solution for both of those things. And I was like, oh, cool. So you're not without transport. You're okay. Gabe can give you a lift and you're yeah. good. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's all good. And then uh, I said, oh, you're going to get another car. And he goes, yes. And next day he goes, I got another car. And I said, oh, even, even better. Like I was genuinely happy that he got a new car. And I said, what did you get? And he goes, I got a, a, a Volkswagen Golf, a 2017 oh. one. And I was like, nice and he goes it's even it was cheaper than so i got a little bit of money left over and he was like really happy about it all right and uh on the on the given friday he he picked it up and i said man those those cars are really really good and uh oh mate you can drive at a corner at about 80 kilometers an hour and go around the corner like that right insane. and and this is me like hoon rob and I've been a hoon my entire life, right? Yeah. I don't know why motorbikes and fast cars, and yeah. I'm just a hoon. And uh, we have a uh, we have a mini, and that thing drives like a little go kart around here, especially the Cronulla streets, right? And yeah. um, Cameron's always been a rev head; he's always been into cars and stuff. And I said, "Did you give it a go at the corner, man? At like seventy or 80? And He goes, "Yeah, Dad, of course I did." And I remember writing back, "At a boy," <laughs> and thinking, "Ah." What do I, say? Fail. I failed. No, it's all right. He's 19. I can say whatever I want now. Parenting's <laughs> over. 
Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? When you see yourself reflected in them, I mean, you know, I've got three kids and, and it, you know, my, my daughter is like the perfect mixture between my wife and myself. Mm-hmm. And my, my eldest son, Joash, he's like carbon copy of me. Even photos when we were six and seven years old, you can't tell us apart. We look like twins. And then there's Micah, who's very much like my wife, but also has several of my traits. And it's amazing, you know, just each of them grow up in the same environment, but they are their own person. Yeah. And I suppose, you know, you're going to see your own traits, but then you'll see, uh, you know, things of theirs that come out and flourish. I mean, my son, Joash, he, you know, wants to break into the NRL. We've got him into the Sharks feeder system at the moment because nice. Safeheart, our charity, is the, the signature community partner with the Cronulla Sharks. So having that relationship with the Sharks, being able to sort of get some doors open, but he's, you know, on his own merit. Mm. And uh, the thing that I love about him that I see in him, like you just reflected with your son, Cameron, is that um, I've always had this determination. I've never been super talented at anything. I've always had to work my guts out to be able to be competitive at anything. Yeah. And what it's taught me is the harder you work, the more successful you are. Mm. And, you know, particularly in sport, and always, you know, just had a crack in, in that say, gone all in kind of thing. And he's the same. He's like, I'm going to play in the NRL. And even if it takes me till I'm 26, till I'm 30, I'm going to make the NRL. And he's just so determined. And I love that determination. Sometimes it can be a negative thing like, hey, Joe, I should try this new food. No, not going to touch it. No, no. <laughs> you haven't even smelt it, you know. No, 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 no. So that sometimes it can be a little bit pig-headed. But the, the converse is true is that, you know, his determination to reach his goal is something that I'm really proud to see, you know, reflected from me into him. And uh, yeah, so uh, it's beautiful. Can, so can long as he's not living at home till he's thirty, yeah. Yeah. Well, why? Why does he need to? I mean, you know, if if he's not going to get married, he doesn't need to, you know, spend money that he doesn't. If we, if we can help him save and buy a house, and oh man, I'm fine with it. Oh really? I'm moving out as soon as she turns eighteen. Oh right. Okay. Uh, I'm going back to my life, man. See you later. All oh, right. <laughs> Give us a call when you want to drink down the pub. I'll come and meet you. All oh, right. right. Yeah. No. No. We, we've sort of. Well, I mean, I moved out of home when I was 16 mm. and I mean, that was go all in. Talk about having it right from where it goes. I left school at year 10 at the age of 15. Uh, two months later, I turned 16 in the January and I got a job offer down the South Coast spraying surfboards and living on the beach. I'm like, I'm there. Yeah. And leaving home wasn't a big thing. I hadn't seen my dad for the last seven years. Mum was, you know, doing the best she could. My brother's got a job and he's going to be there to look after mum. I'm like, I'm out of there. And uh, two years later, I moved home for eight months and mm. then just moved out. And I've been out ever since. But ever since I was a kid, I've just been go all in. If you're going to, you know, do something, just do it. Yeah, and, I love it. You know, so I was out of home early. But I do miss, because we were, we were a dysfunctional family anyway, I, I do miss those years where I could have been able to ask an adult advice yeah. Uh, particularly with it, when it came to career and stuff. Um, so that's what we've been able to give our kids and they've made way better decisions and they're way further ahead in their journey than what my wife and I were when we were their age. That's great. That's great. Nice way to, uh, to close out the podcast and the discussion, yeah. mate. I really appreciate that. We've almost bumped up against an hour here and, uh, and thank you so much for being so giving, Brett, and for everything that you do in the community, mate. It's really important work that you do. I can't let you leave the Go All In podcast without putting you in the podcaster's hot seat and i know that you love to uh love to travel and in these ridiculous yeah. covid times where we can't get on a plane and go anywhere put something on my bucket list for me where where should i go oh. where, where's your favorite holiday or surfing destination that i haven't been to i've never heard of that in australia or anywhere oh, internationally oh, okay um well mate here I'll, I'll throw out an invite to you 
come with us in uh, February, March next year to Roddy Island. You know where Roddy Island is? It's Indo, right? Yeah, it's actually West Timor. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Spent a bit of time in East Timor. Oh, of course, you <laughs> of course. Yeah, I've got a couple of guys to serve. But yeah, West Timor, Roddy Island. It's um, we're doing actually a surf trip with ten committed men next right. year. Surf, diving, uh, fishing. So uh, I'll send you the details. But no, Roddy Sounds Island is. I haven't been there, but it's somewhere I want to go. But if uh, a destination that I have been to that you've got to get to, it's in uh, Lombok. And it's called Heaven on the Planet. It's a surf resort called Eckers, E-double-K-A-S. Right. Unbelievable. I took my family there last year. I've been there a couple of times. If you want to get somewhere where you can just get away and just recharge, I'd recommend it. Love it. Love it. Fantastic. Hey, what's a skill that you're working on right now that you haven't currently mastered? Um, I think of, you know, I told you last time it was closing, but... Uh, I think too, I've, I've thought about it a lot. I'm actually um, uh, really working on, and I don't think I've mastered it, event management because we're having more events coming up yeah. and learning how to lead from the top, be able to delegate and let go and just trust my team. I think yeah. that's something I really want to work on as well. Beautiful, beautiful. And last one, what's the uh, best piece of business advice that you've ever received, Brett? Um, follow your heart. Yeah, do what's in your heart. Don't do what people expect you to do. Follow your heart. Whatever is you're passionate about, if you do that for a living, you'll never work a day in your life. Love it. Perfectly said. Perfectly said. Brad, if people want to connect with you and the Safe Heart Foundation, what's the best way to do that? Uh, safeheart.tv is our um, website or uh, Safe Heart Foundation through Facebook. Mm-hmm. And um, Instagram is just uh, BrittMurray73. And um, yeah, just any, any one of those uh, three platforms, I'd love to communicate and connect with people. All right, fantastic. And if you're listening to this podcast, just take a little peek at your phone and all of the details to Brett's website and his socials will be right there. And if you're watching this on YouTube, just scroll down and they're right there in the show notes as well. Mate, thank you again for coming on the Goal In podcast. That's been an absolute blast. We could go on for hours, you and I. Maybe we should offline. That would be lots and lots of fun. I wanted to give you the opportunity for the parting shot. What's the, the last piece of wisdom that Brett Murray's got for us today? Oh, mate, as uh, William Wallace's father said, your heart's free. Have the courage to follow it. I love it. I love it. Thanks again for coming on the show, mate. We look forward to speaking with you soon. It's bye for now. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Well, there you have it, folks. If you want to connect with Brett, just take a little peek at your phone and all of the links to his website and socials are right there. And you can connect with Brett on LinkedIn as well. I've made it nice and easy, so you're not going to have to go poking around in Google for those deets. Just take a a little peek at your phone or if you're watching this on YouTube, just scroll down and they're right there in the show notes for you. Now, if you're just getting started with your business online, you're going to need a bit of a hand. The internet's an amazing place, but with so much information out there, it can be hard to cut through the noise and know who you can really trust. Learning to trust your intuition is part of creating an online business and going all in in on lots of things all at once is par for the course as well. And if you want to give yourself the best possible chance and the best possible opportunity, then you need to get your mindset right. Motivation is going to get you started, but it's discipline and a plan that will keep you going. And I've created a masterclass that will help you stay on track and close the gap from where you are to where you want to be faster than you ever thought possible. So if you'd like to find out some more, you can visit goallin.com.au forward slash masterclass. That's goallin.com.au forward slash masterclass. Now, if you've got a message or some feedback for the show, you can reach out via the Go All In socials. 
or you can send me an email at any time. Just visit goalin.com.au to find out more. Well, that wraps it up for the show today. So whatever it is that you're working on, whatever you're doing, get busy, get to it and go all in. I'll see you next time. Tell you to stop